You are listening to The Benchcast with your host, Elvis Mendez and Coach Ben. Sip of coffee for the working man. Oh, my lid's closed. That's not a great start. Today I got a um, some Victor Allen's Colombian coffee brewed out my Keurig and a little bit of this new um, espresso I'm trying out. It's not the it's not the Cafe Bustelo, but it's another <laughs> one. It's Cafe uh, Caribe. It sounds Caribbean. I like it. Tastes good. So I'm rolling with it. But it is officially pumpkin season. I'm a little bit chilly. Um, it's pumpkin spice season over here, middle of September. It's favorite time of the year. So we're officially in pumpkin picking season. You know, not my not my favorite time of year, not my least favorite time of the year. Um, you know, I'm not a winter guy, so I'll take fall over winter. But um, definitely got to give it to spring. That, there's nothing like spring weather when that, that snow starts to melt. And then, you know, you got football in another six months or whatever. But we're back in football season two. Lost my fantasy this week. Um, you know, it was kind of bullshit because Odell Beckham Jr. caught that long pass. But whatever. You live on to another week. I lost my fantasy because of the Patriots defense. The Patriots defense did not have to go that hard. Yeah, they're looking good. This is probably the best they've looked in a long time. This is probably the best offense and defense we've had. Yeah, they, they're poised for an undefeated season. I mean, I know it's early to talk about, but they usually look like shit about right now. They don't, usually they don't it's start rough, heating yeah. up until the end of the year, but they're looking hot right now. And they playing, like, the worst teams up until, like, week nine, so. Yeah, they got a nice, easy, some softballs. Nine and 9-0, and then you got Baltimore, but they'll probably suck by then, so. Now the whole league sucks. Pats are going to win again. <laughs> All right, today, guys, we are talking about speed work, uh, or you could call it dynamic effort training. You could call it what I use with my athletes is uh, cat work, uh, compensatory acceleration training. It's all the same shit, just different lingo. Um, so if you want to post questions on how to perform speed work as we go through it, we got any questions on it, or um, you just want to shoot the shit, ask some questions, feel free to post below in the IG Live um, and again, for those listening, uh, usually Wednesday mornings we do the IG Live to accompany the podcast if you want to get involved. Just note that. Um, so I'm using a company article that I wrote. Looks like back November 29th, 2016 for Elite FTS, I wrote an article called Five Ways You're Screwing Up Speed Work. So I want to first kind of touch on what the hell speed work is how it can help your bench, and then ways you're probably screwing it up from there. All right, so first off, speed work um, is going to be more, I wouldn't say it's, it's a way to build size for sure, um, and you're not, I wouldn't say you're breaking down a ton of uh, muscle fibers as well, so it's not the greatest size and strength type workout. You're not getting... Um, you know, ton of volume with, with a heavy enough percentage. The percentage range isn't heavy enough. You know, I think you're rarely ever going over 65% with speed work. Um, so it's just not enough there to really cause much breakdown. So speed work's going to be more uh, what I put in the category of nervous system training. And what you're trying to do here is is develop more power by getting 
all those muscle fibers you need to fire to fire at the same time in unison to create the greatest um, you know strength effect there because if you have if you're not well coordinated um, you know it's it, you're not going to get the greatest force output and you know it's not it's not one of those things where everything's firing super super delayed till you notice it like your your left arm's not catching on till two seconds after your right or anything like that but um, you know if you break it down to the detail all those muscle fibers need to contract at the exact same time um, and that's something that is a trainable effect so that's why I put this in the category of nervous system training and not quite um, you know something to, to gain size and strength which makes it a really valuable exercise for deload for someone who's in a caloric deficit trying to cut weight right it's a good option for them too near to near to meet you know because it's not going to beat you up as much so um, you know we use it all those times where I don't usually use speed work with our athletes is the first uh, four weeks you know the off season phase after meet um, just because uh, that's not really the goal that's usually our hypertrophy type work where we're using uh, different implements different variations and doing more your traditional size and strength type training like like bodybuilder quote unquote um, and and usually uh, some athletes are, are dieting in that period some are, are trying to uh, maintain or put on a little bit of mass and that's usually what I recommend is try to gain after me and then you can cut into the meat a little bit but uh, everyone's in a little different position there but this is good training especially um, the back end of the training cycle so again nervous system training wouldn't really put this in a, in a size and strength category so um, what's happening when you're doing speed work here is normally with a uh, barbell right uh, just straight weight you're going to have a period where there's a deceleration. So if you only had 65% in your hands and you were to fully explode all the way through, accelerate all the way through, acceleration meaning that you're slowest off your chest but you're continuing to gain speed as you're coming to lockout. If that was true all the way to lockout, that bar would literally have to, to jump out of your hands because you wouldn't be able to... You, know, you have to slow it down in order to actually finish the lift. Um, so what we're doing with speed work and why we traditionally add accommodating resistance via bands or chain tension is so that um, that period of deceleration is no longer. So around whatever it is, mid-range, three-fourths up, we don't have to necessarily subconsciously decelerate anymore. Um, because now the bands and the chains are kicking in extra weight and we're forced to continue that acceleration through the bar. Um, so that's why we will add accommodating resistance to this type of work. If we don't, it's not that it's not entirely effective. Um, it's just that you're going to have that deceleration period where it's not going to be as optimal. So adding the bands and chains in a decent enough amount um, is how you want to approach that. And, um, you know, what we usually do with our athletes is, um, I'll, for, for bench work, I started a little bit lower than I would um, squat or deadlift work. Usually bench, I'm going to go 45, 55%, and I'm going to throw on, um, you know, good good amount of band tension or chain tension. That's usually going to add up to 15, if not 25% of their max. So, I'm no mathematician, but 
say we got 300 pounds. What's what the hell is 20 percent of 300 pounds? What are we looking at? Like 60? I want to say 60, but I feel like I'm off. I feel like I'm on point. 60. I'm the dot. Look at that. Look at I'm that. I'm high powered this morning. It's a coffee. I tell you, it's a coffee. <laughs> but uh, a sip of coffee for the working man. So 20% band tension would put you around 60 pounds of band tension as a 300-pound bencher. And then you're accompanying that with, with a 50% or so bar weight. What's 50% bar weight? 150 plus 60 band tension. Look at that. So that's what you'd be using on speed day. All right? If not, a little bit more band tension. Um, so that's how you kind of set it up. Usually with the bench specifically, I'm going to do triples. Um you know, and, and that I'm not, you know, sold on having to do a certain rep range for every every movement. But um, the deadlift, I'll usually go for two. Um, squats, we usually do for two, and then bench, we usually do um, for three. But you could flip that either way you want. You know, I'm not. I, I know uh, West Side Protocol. They're usually doing singles with the deadlift, doubles with the squat, and triples with the. Uh, bench but you know i think those could be easily flip-flop depending on your goals but uh bench press we're gonna set up probably at a nine by three i like doing a nine by three um if not more usually on the bench i'm not afraid to throw on a 12 by three um you know the reason i don't usually put 12 by three in for our athletes is because uh, the freaking system we use doesn't allow 12 sets because i guess that's uh, cruel punishment <laughs> but you can go up to 10 sets so sometimes i'll max that baby out um but sometimes I'll go up to 12 sets myself in training, um, and I'll cluster three sets. So uh, I've been talking a little bit about cluster training lately, and that's where I'll pair three sets together, very, very minimal rest. We're talking like um, 10 seconds in between. So like on a squat, I'm staying under the bar in the mono before I go into the other set, and I'll bang them out real quick. On the bench, I just happen to, um, I stay there on the bench, I don't get up, and I keep some amount of leg drive but i mostly rest in between and then i'll kick the leg drive back in to get tight and then i'll take another set but i'll do three sets bang 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 i found out that if, if i feel like i'm dragging ass during my workout i'll do my my last three as a cluster last three last three i see yeah i mean you could spend it however you want i just trish will go with all three um i'll do that earlier in the training cycle because it's a good conditioning effect and we want that but then later on near a meet, I'm going to stay away from the clusters. You got a big question from NYZ. All right, let's hit it. Questions for your commercial gym goers. Aside from lugging chains around your shoulders like Rambo, what do you suggest your athletes use to perform speed work to produce the same effect? Um, so if they don't have bands and chains, which is a good amount, um, you know what I'll have them do is, you know, while it's not optimal, they will just bump up the percentages a bit and do the same thing. So it'll be the same workload. It's just the percentage would probably go from, say they're doing 50%, you know, have them up at the 65, 70-something percent. Um, usually won't go higher than 80, so it usually will cap off around 75, but it's probably going to be around that 60 to 75% range depending. Um, and then they're just going to do it as normal with that same intent. And I would also say that uh, bands don't take up much space. And for some exercises, it's easier to put them on than others. Like in usually commercial gyms, you can run a band under the bench instead of lugging dumbbells. And if you're doing a deadlift, you just stand on the band. Those are pretty easy to set up. On the squat, it can get a little difficult depending on how much room you have. 
you get like a pair of heavy enough dumbbells, but you know sometimes it's just not heavy enough to do it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if your gym has heavy dumbbells, you're set. Because I'll give you a little quick tip here. Now this is going to add probably about 100 to 120 um, pounds of band tension to your movement, but those um, pro short minis that Elite FTS sells, not the long bands, but the short little round ones. Um, well, so a green, the pro short monster mini, the green one, the little green one, that's going to add about, uh, at least for me, it's about 100 to 120 pounds of band tension. Uh, red one is going to add, I'd say... 60 to 80 somewhere in there depends on how big your bench stroke is but um those work great and like for the red ones you just need 80 pound dumbbells so if it only goes up to 100 at the gym you're good um and that's usually good for most people like benching 300 you're good with the reds uh benching 400 plus i'd stick to the greens so um yeah those those work great and those are like two three bucks so they're much much more cost efficient than the bigger bands. And they're super space efficient too. Yeah, those take up no room. I mean, you can put those in a small little pocket. Um, they take up no room. Pop them in the band. Good to go. Uh, we got another coming in here. What do you think of Eddie Hall going for the 750 bench? Um, I don't, I've never seen Eddie Hall do much much powerlifting. And uh, he's an excellent strongman. Uh, I think it's awesome that he's doing it. Uh, we had a whole podcast on the last raw bench record that was set, um, you know, and how it was, I guess, a little controversial. But, um, you know, I think it's awesome anyone trying to push that. That's impressive. And then uh, from Vladimir Myers, started using bands in all three power lifts. Don't have short ones. He just uses what he has. Yeah, there you go, my friend. Um, and then the thing setting up bands is you can be real re- unique with it. Chains are chains. You know, they're gonna they're the poundage they are. Bands, you're going to get different resistance by how you set them up. So a lot of it is in the setup of the band and making that work for you. Uh, just the other week, I had an athlete uh, who, who she was a little disappointed in the workout because she was doing uh, deadlifts with, with heavier band tension. So this wasn't necessarily speed work. It was just a heavy band tension workout. But she was doing these, and she, um, you know, she'll pull like mid-threes, but she only had... Um, you know, 275 on the bar. So she was a little down on herself. But then, uh, you know, from looking at her band setup, I was like, well, that thing is really wrapped around a few times. Like, that looks like a shit ton band tension. And, uh, you know, I told her, I was like, you should really try to weigh that because I think you'd be surprised. And then she did, and she had over 70 pounds of band tension on that bar. And I was like, yeah, from, from my years of seeing band setups, that looks like a shit ton. And uh, so it turned out well. She ended up actually doing really, really well that workout. Um, but yeah, it pays to measure your band tension too. And what you can do there, simple thing, grab a weight scale. Unless you got a luggage thing there, a luggage hook, um, just grab a, a scale, a movable, um, you know, one you have in your bathroom kind of deal, and then stand on it, take your body weight, and then take the band and hold it to where your lockout would be. So know where your lockout would be. Take the band, hold it in that position statically, and then take your body weight again. It's going to be higher, and then take the difference of the two. And there you go. There's your band tension right there. Um, So that's one way to measure that band tension. Uh, Chains are just chains. Know how much the chains weigh weigh them, and then you're good to go there. You just know because how much chain is actually deloaded to the floor. So one trick I do with that for benching, which I don't do with the other ones, is uh, since it's a shorter range... 
I will flip the chain in half. So instead of hooking one end of the chain, I'll fl flip it in half and then I'll hook like right through the middle of it. So it's a shorter chain essentially. So then it works better for your range of motion. Especially mine, which is like nothing. Around the gym, we call them Benny Bunches. Benny Bunches. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. I, I like that. So you could post up some pictures of your Benny Bunches on Instagram Live or Instagram uh, Story Mode. All right, so I think we're good on speed work and um, how to do it, how to perform it. So I want to get into ways you can really screw it up. All right, so if anyone's confused on what we just went over, I think it's pretty self-explanatory on how to program it. Uh, well, how to program it, I'll do it once a month usually with our athletes at the current moment unless I think that's something they need to work on more so. Usually it's used in the third week um, of the phase, and that is going to act as a deload as well for a heavy fourth week. You got a quick question if you want to take it. Yeah, sure. How to use bands on the deload, and can it be used in this manner? Yeah, that's literally what I was just mentioning. Um, hopefully that answered it, but... Um, yeah, it would be a deload on the, the third week. That's pretty much how we use it as a double-edged sword, you know. So you're you're getting your speed work in, but it's also acting as a deload because it's not gonna be heavy as shit. But I'll also do. I mean, this wouldn't count for speed work. It's a little out the realm, but I'll do heavy band tension, heavy chain tension uh, workouts with some people too. All right, so getting into ways you can screw it up. Okay, um, number one is gonna be that you're going too heavy. Uh, so if you're not sticking to those percentage zones, uh, which you might grab in, in the front of that pouch is a battery. We gotta grab the battery if you're for some electronics. Um, so going too heavy. So if you don't stick to that percentage zone that we laid out, then um, you're gonna find that you're you're gonna kind of get off the ball with what you're trying to achieve. Let me just pull that out. Yeah. So. If we're sticking to 45 to 60%, then if you're starting to go too heavy with that, then you're not going to get that training effect because now it's becoming subpar volume work. So it's not that you're not going to get a good workout. It's just that you're not really training the nervous system as much anymore. Um, sip of coffee for the working man. NYZ's heading out. Take care, Z. If someone says sip of coffee, we got to sip coffee. So you're going to end up with subpar volume work if you end up going too heavy on this. You know, Not that it won't be a good workout. It's just not going to really train your nervous system the way you would like. Um, so you want to stick to those percentage zones. If it looks like it's slowing down, then it's probably not working out in your favor. So just do the eye test. You don't have to have... A fancy way of measuring the speed. Um, you know, simply just use the eye test. It should literally look like you're able to throw the bar out of your hands almost. Um, you know, that's the kind of speed we're aiming for. If you're a naturally slower lifter, then this is something that you should back down even more in your percentage. So, I mean, some lifters who are really slow moving, you're not going to get better if you continue to try to do it and you still look slow. So just back it down so you can move fast. Um, so, you know, no shame in having to back down a percentage if you're just a slower lifter. You just need to build up um, that power development a little bit more. But ego is usually what gets in the way of doing good speed work. Wanting to go too heavy with it. Uh, a lot of people think it's cool they have bands and chains on. 
and I think a lot of people um, are afraid they're not getting an efficient workout if they don't feel like they're almost towards failure in their training. And that can't be further from the truth because, again, this is nervous system training. The weight's going to be very light. Um, it's going to move very quickly. You know, it's not that you're not getting a training effect. Um, you're not going to feel beat up, and that's the whole point. All right, you're not probably going to be sore from this workout. You know, awesome if you are, you really brought it, but you probably aren't going to feel like you just went through a five by five of heavy ass volume. All right, so don't go too heavy on this, or you're going to completely f up the whole goal of the session. All right, you're just not going to get faster. That's the thing. Not lifting fast enough. So uh, you know, this kind of goes back to. Does the thing look like it's moving fast? You know, just use a simple eye test. You know, we can all tell, is that moving fast? You know, if not, lighten it up. If it if it is, then good. Probably don't need to go up. Um, you know, I'll always keep it super light. So, for example, for me, my speed work nowadays, um, and I just did 440 raw back in uh, June, I think, so... My speed work, and I'll do it raw, um, but that'll look like 185 maybe, if that. So, I mean, that's not even 50%, and I'll do a lot of band tension. So it'll be like 120 plus of band tension. So I don't know the exact percentages on that, but I think it's right in that realm we were talking about. Um, but that's what my speed workout will look like. Um, so, I mean, if you're not benching 440... What does yours look like? You know, probably you're probably putting on more than 185 most of the time. Um, you back it down. Keep it real quick. Uh, you want it to look fast. It should look like a very speedy bench. If not, probably missing the ball on the, the training there. All right. And the other big, big thing. Now this is the next thing. Is the speed work gives you an awesome opportunity to work on your technique. Okay, because once you get over 85%, usually, depending on what your rep range is, but once you get over 85%, you know, eventually you get breakdown in technique. Okay, and that's going to prevent you from actually working on your technique. Because if you go so heavy that you um, start to break down in technique, then you're never really getting the opportunity to get better there. Um, and ingrain a new uh, movement pattern. Like some people, over a certain percentage, they start flaring their elbows. Um, everything starts shifting. They have bad uh, pressing mechanics. Um, now, with speed work, the weight's very light. So you're not going to have a, a, a hard time moving it where you want it to go. You're not going to have a hard time getting tight and maintaining tightness with speed work. All right. So... This is an awesome opportunity, not only as, as a deload or to, to get more power development, but to improve your technique because the weight's actually light enough. So a huge fail here would be failing to actually make any gains in your technique. When you go into these sessions, as I tell all my athletes, they post up videos and they don't have um, you know, something to say about what they were working on. First thing I always try to comment is what was the technical focus of the session. Like I tell them, I want them to treat it like you're going into a football practice. You're going into whatever practice, right? You always have some kind of intent. If you go to baseball practice for the day, I mean, hopefully you're not just doing willy-nilly the same shit you're always doing. 
you know hopefully there's an intent behind the drills that you're doing you know if you're you're working infield or whatever you know hopefully there's a purpose of what the hell you're trying to do that day if you're shagging flies you know you're trying to get better at that um so it's the same thing when you go on and you train right don't just bench to bench bench to improve something so if you have a shitty time with leg drive you know work on that you know, we try to detail it too. Like, all right, so I'm getting good leg drive, but it's like my hips aren't really engaged. I'm I'm shaking over the bench, so maybe your objective of that one is to squeeze your ass more and push out, ab- abduct more. Um, I just did speed work for deadlift yesterday, and my focus was on just finishing that lockout, trying to like blast through it instead of trying to slowly grind lockout, it out. More ass squeeze. More ass squeeze, quad squeeze. Just I had like a soft knees for a little bit, so. Yes, you see, you got to come in with a uh, technical focus. If you don't, you're missing the ball. Um, so a lot of my bench sessions, the technical focus was around uh, the takeout, for example, because that's something that will really get me. I'm um, trying to chase the weight, not setting up in the right positions. You know, everything in relation to my bench is comes down to the takeout. And everything else feels great. Um, it's just the takeout can make or break the lift. So doing what I need to do to make sure I'm in the best position possible uh, to hit that bench. So that's usually my focus going into a session. But everyone's going to have a different focus. And, you know, that, I'll stress that to my athletes right away. You know, what was the technical focus? And usually I'll tell them, all right, when I'm explaining something to them, write this down for next week. Jot it down somewhere so you know when you're going into this, um, work on that. And then also uh, I've had some athletes write on a board um, you know, I, I even tell them to, but I thought it was really cool that they did. They had a Coach Ben Says board, and they had uh, everything I was mentioning. So, um, yeah, that's 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 going to be really, really important, is make sure you're improving technique when you're going through it. From uh, Giant Killer Beast. Howdy Giant ki- Killer Beast. That's that's some kind of name, fella. Howdy Killer Do you actually kill beasts? You giant? Well, do you see any giants roaming around? What? You see any giants roaming around? No, because this guy's killing them all. There we go. <laughs> How are you feeling after that big bench? Feeling good. Um, feel better than the, the last one. So that's a good sign. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember last time your uh, forum felt like it was in a couple pieces. Yeah, um, you know what's really helped me out is I was getting bi-weekly massages now, and I didn't realize how much that was hurting me prior um, because I was getting to the point where I was pulling my neck on a weekly basis, and, um, you know, I couldn't turn my head to save my life because I'd pull my neck. Uh, You know, forearm hurt a lot more. I was getting some elbow issues, and then I went back to to doing massage with the lady I would uh, do it with before, and... um, I just can't stress enough how much of an immense benefit that has been. Um, just me feeling better in training, um, not worrying about like my pec. I haven't pulled my neck since I started that, and my forearms are usually feeling really good. Since we started, I have not had any of that shooting nerve pain that I've had down my arm. Um, so it has just been a total lifesaver. And, you know, stuff like that, it's a little bit of an investment, but... You know, you realize when you stop it how much, how bad of a shape you get in. And then you're like, I just, this is just something I have to keep up with. Um, because it has made such a huge difference for me. And, um, you know, I, that's why I recommend if you're feeling beat up too, you know, go seek the outside help. Because trying to do it yourself with soft tissue and all that is good. But then just being able to like lay there on the table 
I just have someone else work that stuff out for me. Uh, it's just so I don't have to worry about it. You know, I go in once uh, every two weeks, and that's all it takes. So that's been huge. So that's why I'm probably feeling a lot better than I did last bench. What we got coming in? Something from Ireland. Yep, from GW Ireland. Hey, Ben, that yoga mat on the commercial bench is w- working a treat. Wait, Go, that's Rabbi. Irish, that's the Irish slang for you. Might, I Go, got. Go, Rabbi, might, I got. <laughs> yes, which, sir, I second that. Which is, thank you in Irish. Oh, Go, Rabbi, Matt, Magat. <laughs> so I guess we learned a little bit today. Uh, the Guinness is good over there in Ireland, I hear, fella. Um, but uh, I'm glad that worked out really well for you. I don't know. Um, I think they got Elite FTS UK. I don't know what kind of the shipping is for you. Oh, I'm sorry, not Elite FTS, but... Uh, Mark Bell Slingshot, if you ever heard of that product, um, they make an awesome one called the Benchmark, which is ten bucks. You know, I don't think it's anything different. You can't get from like a Home Depot near you if you guys got Home Depots. I don't know. Um, it's just like this grainy, non-slip material. It's it's it works awesome too, and it's not going to be big and bulky like a yoga mat. Yoga mats are great, especially for the feet too, but. You know, oftentimes you go into the gym, you look kind of weird with the yoga mat, right? You kind of feel weird about it. Um, you know, I'm sure you don't give a shit because you're getting your bench better, but that little mat there, um, the benchmark, is just so much uh, more user-friendly. It's right there, bang, put it down. Um, it's really good. Giant Killer Beast, he slayed all the giants. I have completely transformed into bench only, feeling good and following your advice. Never felt stronger. Uh, appreciate Giant Killer Beast. We got more to more to come for you, so um, keep keep watching. We really appreciate you joining us today and uh, continuing your, your support and following us. A sip of coffee for the working man. If anyone says sip of coffee, then we got to sip coffee together. From Colega Jackup, is there any sense to change grip with while doing speed work? Um, yeah, I would, uh, just stick to training what you've been doing. So sometimes, like, I'll do, if I'm in a phase earlier on where we're doing more close grip with our athletes, I'll have them just continue with that close grip. Um, if they're going to be going to more of a a comp grip, maybe they come out a little wider near the meet, I'll just have them stick with that. So just traditionally what you're training at, at the time, um, I'll stick with that. Usually close to the meet, though. Yeah, we're going to be in whatever grip we're going to use for the meat. But, yeah, uh, certainly just depends on uh, the timing, I guess. All right, so uh, moving on here, we got number three. That was failing to improve technique because speed work is going to be an awesome opportunity to improve your technique. Now we're moving on. We got two more left here. Another big one is that you're getting too much rest. Now this is going to be, um, you know, more so when you're when you're earlier on. If you want to get a conditioning effect out of the speed work, one of the huge benefits of the speed work is that it's going to give you a conditioning effect. It is going to improve your work capacity. Um, if you are taking five minute breaks in between speed sets, you are completely missing a ball there. Not that the work that you're doing in the moment isn't going to be effective. It's just generally as an entire workout towards your conditioning or your work capacity, it's going to be very shitty. And it's not going to do nothing for you. So what I, that's why I was explaining I love doing the clusters because that's going to pump your conditioning more than anything. Uh, you are going to feel like you literally just ran sprints doing 
freaking clusters because you are banging it out three sets at a time. You are going to be exhausted just trying to catch your breath. So I think, and then what I'll do too, because you never know what to meet, how long you're going to leave wrist wraps on, just like knee wraps, right? So I will actually leave wrist wraps on for the three set cluster the entire time. By the end of it, like the third set, some of them I go into like, I don't know. I don't know where my hands are on this bar because I can't feel them. But um, it's good training to get yourself ready for, you know, if you're at a meat environment, something's going wrong. I'm not going to take the time to take all these wraps off and do it again. You know, I'm just going to dog up and do it. So it's a great opportunity to just leave those wrist wraps on and build some mental toughness there. Um, but you don't want to miss the ball on building up that work capacity because that's something you're going to want as you get near the end of a training cycle. When you're looking to hit these bigger weights um, and you don't have to rest as much in between. You're going to be a, a much more well-conditioned athlete. Now, does this matter as much towards powerlifting? I don't really think so. Because if you think how much of a break you're getting in between attempts at a meet, yeah, if you're a full power athlete, way more so. It's going to be way more important. But if you're bench only, um, not really. Because you got three attempts, you're out of there. You know, I'll eat before. I'll go hit the bar after, grab some brews, grab some brewskis, grab some pizza, whatever the hell. So you're not doing too much as a bench only guy, which is nice. But um, your full power, you definitely want high amount of work capacity you want to be able to recover um so too much rest is usually one of the biggest red flags i see with most people with their speed work um, so what we recommend you can cluster early on in the training cycle right we'll do less than 10 seconds rest you don't even get off the bench in between those three those three sets there um, you take like i'll usually wait till my heart rate kind of comes down um, before going into it. So I don't really know what that time is. That would be good to measure and make sure it's coming down slowly over time. But usually once I feel my heart rate drop to a point where I can comfortably talk, that's when it's time to get after it again. Um, and then you know, to, to measure it normally, if it's closer to the meat, uh, probably going to be around uh, like 15, 30 seconds. You know, it's not going to be very long, but it's going to be longer than that quick 10 seconds. Like You'll have a chance to get up, undo your wrist straps, um, for a sec, but then it's kind of right back to it. It's always very, very quick. So that's that's a big one. Make sure you're not resting too much. If you're resting over a minute between sets, uh, if your speed work of nine sets is taking more than like 12 minutes, then something's going awry. This workout should be done in less than 15 minutes tops. Last one, but not least, because this is a huge one. It kind of goes with the first we said, going too heavy. Well, this is going too heavy and accommodating resistance. Now, you can get a little bit too crazy here. All right. Remember, what is the goal of the accommodating resistance with your speed work? Right. It's to add just enough to stop that deceleration phase. Okay. You don't need a crazy amount. You just need enough that's going to keep you having to accelerate through the entire movement. And you can almost, if you got a better sense, a good sense of what you're doing in your training, you got a good intuitive feel for what's happening in your training, you're going to know. You're going to know when it's a little bit too much because it's going to slow the movement down. Um, and then you know when it's not enough because you feel like you're going to blast right through it. So you need just enough of a slowdown. Like you don't want the bar speed to slow down, but you want to make sure you yourself are keeping the acceleration going. 
and you feel like you're doing that. So if you have a good intuitive feel, I can almost feel where I need to be with this resistance because right where that band tension will kick in, um, you know, you know you need to turn those boosters up a bit, right? You know you need the speed to get through those points, but it shouldn't slow down your bar speed. So it's a fine line there. And most people, right, what do they think? Oh, it's awesome. I'm doing a workout with bands, with chains, you know, sometimes with both. But the thing is if you get a little crazy and you get out of that percentage zone again, you're going to kind of miss the ball on what we're trying to achieve for the day. So speed work at the end of the day, to, to wrap it up for you guys, if anyone has any questions, I, I drop them now, right? Um, at the end of the day, to sum it up, the speed work, dynamic effort work, the cat work, whatever the hell you want to call it, is very, very effective, all right? We got a damn helicopter going by. We can't catch a break. It's either we're filming or we're doing a podcast, but unbelievable. That's New York for you. <laughs> But at the end of the day, guys, speed work is very, very effective, but there's a lot of ways you can F it up completely and not get the training effect that you want, and it becomes subpar volume work, okay? If you want to do volume work, you can do a heavy uh, combining resistance day, or you can do a heavy 5x5, five five, and you can get that training effect. But if you're trying to train the nervous system, you do not need all that extra bar weight or combining resistance weight. All right, you have to stay very specific. And yes, it's going to feel light. It's not going to feel like you did anything too stressful. That's the whole point. All right. So, got a, there you have it. Got a buzzer beater question. Buzzer beater. <clears throat> Sip of coffee for the working man. I bench three times a week, starting with the bench on the first day, accessories on the second day, and speed work on the third. Yay or nay? Uh, well, it's hard to say because, I mean, you can set it up so many ways and none of them are necessarily wrong or right. And it depends on you you, um, and what you got going on, your weak points. Uh, I don't know if you're slow, you're fast, or, you know, what accessories you're working on, if I'd have you do that, or if I'd have you do more benching. You know, you can spin it so many ways. Um, traditionally, if I don't have a good background on someone, what they start them out, if they're going to do bench only, they're benching three times a week. Um first bench day is going to be more of your high intensity right so whether we're doing uh depends on where we are in the training cycle but whether that's like a heavy five by five or that's more like heavy off boards for singles and we're hitting like really heavy common resistance it's going to be a heavy workout traditionally um the second bench day is going to be more of a recovery type of workout so it's going to be like feet up benching for like three sets of 20 just it's not to get a training effect. It's more to recover for this next day coming up. Um, so you're more trying to go in and get that pump, right? You're, you're doing it more just to recover from the, the session before. And that's usually right after. That's like the day after. It doesn't have to be, but usually. Um, and then doing some light accessories. And then that third day is going to be, could be speed work, could be um, volume work, but just not heavy volume work. Um, so there's a lot of ways to spin that too. It could be board work if you're trying to hit weak points. Uh, we have a program, a very underrated program, out on our BigBenches.com store. If you go to the program section, it's called Second Bench Day Solution. And what I did with the Second Bench Day Solution uh, is I know I've been preaching two bench days a week for the longest time. 
Um, so I think most people understand that's where my view is at there. You want to have at least two bench sessions a week for most people, majority. Um, and they wouldn't, didn't know what to do on that second bench day. So I was like, well, I'm just going to make this kind of a, um, adjustable program here that's going to give you templates, like five different options of what to do on your fifth day and how to attack that, or I'm sorry, how to attack that second day. Not the fifth day, that's a little overkill. But, um, you know, I give out five different templates and some programming on that on what to do that second day. So if you're a two-day-a-week bencher, that's something to look into. I, that's our lowest uh, cost uh, program. It's like uh, $24.99, something like that. It, it's really not much at all, but it details what to do on that second bench day. Um, but that is on our website. And that is something, again, that is free for our VIP members. So if you want to join our VIP membership, all those programs um, are free to you. And that's a low cost, nine ninety nine dollars uh, for the VIP membership. Plus you're getting all the extra content. You're joining the team group. Um, so if you want to check that out, that's in the link in our bio for Instagram. Um, and it's in YouTube links. It's in our Facebook. So you won't have a hard time finding that. But uh, that's also on our website. But those are some things you could do uh, to look into that second bench. But that's how to start someone out. Um, that I don't have any background. But once I work with someone for a while, a lot of things start to change. All right. Especially if I get a lot of feedback from them, depending on their schedule, how the training is going. You know, a lot of things start to change. All right. Looks like we're going to have a question from Sam Ham 75 But uh, yeah. he has to send it in. Just joining. Are you? All right. Uh, yeah. We are taking questions, but we are about to wrap up, so. And it, it's in. Buzzer beater. Been, got a couple buzzer beaters today. Been stuck at 336 bench for over a year. I can keyboard press 380 easy. I always fail 336. Halfway up. Flies off the chest, but halfway up it stops. Any advice? Um, so I would, so the thing here, we did a whole uh, podcast on mid-range once, and I would check out, I would search mid-range big benches, um, and I would watch that podcast, because what it sounds like is you're doing two board pressing, probably because of that midpoint sticking point, right? The halfway up it stops, you say. So um, you, you probably are doing the board press because you're thinking that's going to help get the bench up. Um and you're hitting 380, so it, obviously that's not too much of a weakness for you. Um, and it's probably not the reason, like the triceps and the halfway up thing, that's probably not the reason you're missing there. It probably has to do with how you're setting your, your position, um, whether in the setup or how you're maintaining back tightness. Um, it's probably something going on there, how you're maintaining tightness at that bottom position. Okay. Um, and it could be that you're, you're sinking into your chest and trying to get that heaving pop. It might be that you're not constantly using leg drive. You're trying to kick it in right off the chest. Um, so those are some options that might uh, have you struggle in mid-range because you're going to get a little momentum off the chest, but you're probably going to stall it halfway. It might be that you're not training pauses. That's something, too. Touch and go is often going to lend itself to uh, getting stuck mid-range, but it's probably not often... Um, a tricep weakness like you think. Now, a lot of people will try to attack that with board work, but that's not necessarily the way that you have to handle that. Um, 
So that's I, without knowing or seeing some of your stuff there um, right offhand, that's probably what's going on. But I would definitely check out. That was like a 20-minute podcast, so it's not super long. But I would check that out and listen to it. I think we covered a lot of good stuff there. And then what, in what case the triceps would be a weakness. So sometimes, yeah, you do need to, to train your triceps um, or do board work. But it doesn't sound like that's the case with you. Uh, yeah, don't train pauses enough. I think you hit it nail on the head there. Yeah, so touch and go is going to lend itself to that probably every time. Because the thing with touch and go as well is that you're going to hit the chest. You're going to come right off. But it's so much harder to control that bar um, and where it's going. And then if you get just a slight bit out of the bar path, there it is right there. There's your sticking point, um, especially if you bounce on the chest. So once you train pauses long enough, if you do long pauses or you just do comp pauses, but all my athletes, they will always train with a pause. I don't care what it is. If I catch a video where they're, not, they're doing touch and go, I'm going to say no touch and go. It's got to be a pause. I don't care if it's a set of 20. Everything's paused, and um, you're going to find that by doing that long enough, you're actually stronger with a pause. Like, I would be worse doing touch and go. If I was to bring the bar down and bounce it, I would actually be a lot worse. Do we got another buzzer beater. This is unreal, Elvis. We got two. Another coming in. What do you do for triceps, and how to use leg drive when the competition floor has carpet? So... If we're looking to build up your triceps in a bench, I would look for a bench-specific uh, movement that's uh, tricep-dominant. So that could be close grip, but usually close grip everything. Close grip off the chest with the bands on it, off the boards with bands on it. Um, that's one of my favorites. You can do pin presses too. Usually everything's rather close grip um, or you know partial range. So one of my favorite things, and if someone tells me this, uh, what I have them do in-house, we said a coaching session is, a two-board or three-board press against bands. So we'll put on a two- or three-board, depending how long the range is, and then we'll have them press into pretty decent heavy band tension. And that'll train your triceps real good. That'll burn those babies out. What do we got next? How to use leg drive when the competition floor has carpet. His feet keep sliding. Um, so carpet usually helps that. Um, so it sounds like you just have a shitty carpet, um, which could very much be the case. Not all carpets are created equal. You want something that's very grainy, not um, like what I'm. I have my feet on right now upstairs in our office here. It's um, you know you got the I don't know what we call it, little yarn stuff sticking up. It can't have much cushion. You don't want a carpet with cushion. If it cushions you, it's probably not going to work out well. You need a carpet that is grainy, that doesn't have cushion, and it's going to catch your feet. So it's probably just that you got a shitty carpet. Um, I don't know if you can change, if, I don't think that's your gym, right, comp floor. Um, so, I mean, if you can buy the carpet, then change that. If the gym owner has to buy the carpet, well, good luck with that one. You might just want to use a yoga mat or something. All right. I think that's it, unless we got a buzzer beater. Unreal. Three buzzer beaters. I don't know if chalk will work uh, on your feet like you think it's going to. Yeah, I don't think the chalk. I wouldn't go for chalk. What I would do is Gorilla Glue. you got to step it up a notch. Oh, so I'll go in there, I'll spray some yep. Gorilla Glue all over my feet. All right. All right. Only thing on the carpet, though, you know, against um, flooring, you know, the the glue thing, spraying, um, you know, stick them, whatever the hell, 
is good, but once you do it on carpet, all that shit sticks to your, your shoes. It kind of ruins the traction altogether in your shoes. So if you're doing it on carpet, I wouldn't. I would just go yoga mat, see if that works. Um, take the take the carpet out. Uh, tell the guy you got to get rid of the damn carpet, or you got to get rid of the damn carpet, either or. Just buy a new carpet. Uh, Home Depot, I get one. Um, you know, if I knew what it was called, I'd tell you, but I don't, so. In, in general, like an outdoor carpet is going to be your best bet. They yes. don't have a lot of cushioning. They're pretty rough and, like, coarse to get, like, the shit out of your shoe. It's usually what you need. Yes, that sounds good. All right. I think that's a wrap. That has been a podcast. And you have been listening to... You know what? I don't know why I don't do voiceovers. You know, when they do the promo? Like, upcoming in theaters this September. You know, I should be that guy. <laughs> I gotta figure out how to do that work. And you have been listening to... The, the Bench, Bench Cast. Cast.